country I'm gonna eat a lot of peaches I'm moving to the country I'm gonna eat me a lot of peaches I'm moving to the country I'm gonna eat a lot of peaches I'm moving to the country I'm gonna eat a lot of peaches Peaches come from a can They were put there by a man In a factory downtown And if I had my little way I'd eat peaches every day Sun-soaking bulges in the shade Alright, welcome back to another meeting of the Order of the Straight Arrow. You have myself, Troop Scout Leader Lays with Beave, across from me in the clubhouse. This is Smoking Dart. And in between the two wall boys, you have myself, I'm Miles, a.k.a. Chief. Runs with Bins. Thank you for uh, joining us in the clubhouse today. And to kick this meeting off, like we do the rest, let's get into the Straight Arrow Oath. So for those of you in Scout uniform, three-finger salute. Those listening at home in civilian clothes, hand over your heart. And repeat after the historian. A straight arrow tells the truth. A straight arrow loves nature. A straight arrow will not reach for beer that is being sat on. And a straight arrow is always against Bill H.R. 57, which would allow the importation of South American propane. Can I get a round table? Wimatanya! Wimatanya! Hey, Miles, thanks for the uh, winter wheat ale. Since uh, Smoking Dart finished all mine from last week. <laughs> I, I finished the one. Well, that's still considered all. Okay, well, the fact that you didn't drink them all when you were here last. Hey, I would say... Denim agreed any beer left in the clubhouse is free game for him after we've left. <laughs> I did agree that. <laughs> but uh, you got a new one today, though. What yeah. Yeah. I did. Uh, so I actually, not going to lie, I looked for the Stanley Park at the Green Rock, and they didn't have it. What, dude? They have, like, every beer. Yeah, they, well, I don't know if it was if it was all sold out because it's just so damn delicious, but I decided to go with the Steamworks today. This is straight out of Vancouver, British Columbia. Nice. Right downtown. I got the pale ale variety. It's a, it's a mingler, though. It's uh. the tall boys. They look pretty good. I oh, might yeah. have to... Uh... Reclaim my yeah, winter can, weed. Ale. You can have one that uh, the blue one is real good. Uh, all right, I'll keep that in mind. Before we get into this episode, uh, we have some really great listener feedback for this week. We were messaged on Instagram by none other than one of our favorite listeners, Sally St. Rose, who uh, was doodling one day and decided to draw the Alamo beer can in the Utsa likeness. Uh, we shared it on our story, and it, we're definitely going to have it featured on our Instagram. We're very honored. We are very honored. It is, it is very, very cool. Very well done. It was uh, She well definitely done. understands the art style of the show. I believe she did it in watercolor. And she understands how much we value beer. <laughs> <laughs> she's, a, she's an amazing artist with plenty of styles. She can do logo design, book covers, advertisements, billboards, pet portraits, brand design, more. So we will uh, feature that on our Instagram page and link to her profile so you can uh, check out more of her work. Mm-hmm. So thank you, Sally, for thinking of us while you were doodling. Yes, yeah. thank you. And win Tanya! It's nice to hear from a professional who's also a massive King of the Hill fan. She definitely gets the flavor of the show. And without further ado, let's give it to the historian for some episode info. 
Yes, this is the 40th episode of King of the Hill. This is uh, number five in season three. This is entitled Next of Shin. <clears throat> Originally aired on November 3rd, 1998. That's a play on words. Yes, it is. The So I downloaded the movie. I mean, I, I legally obtained the movie <laughs> Next of Kin from 1989 starring Patrick Swayze. Oh, what? The internet seems to believe that this is a play on that movie Next of Kin. I don't see it. Did you, like, skim a plot summary? Yeah. I mean, did you watch the movie? No. Yeah, I didn't. I totally <laughs> meant to, but then I watched Vegas Vacation for a different kind of research. It makes sense. Um, but, yeah, the uh, Next of Kin, I mean, that's just a, like, that's a thing. That's like, a saying. That's, like, it's, I mean, it's, I don't even know if, I guess it's a saying, but Isn't it's, it like. Isn't it, like, when you pass away, your whatever, your state goes happens, to the Next of Kin. When anything, anything happens, happens Next you. of Kin is just your next relation. Mm-hmm. Right. So, I mean. Yeah, I mean, maybe it had, like, it didn't sound like it. It was like, I think it was kind of about, like, a father dying or something, you know? Mm. It, oh, okay. it it looked kind of okay, Swayze in 89. Drama? Sounds like know, a drama. Maybe. I didn't really watch it. <laughs> um, it looked kind of cowboy-y. Well, that's cool, so it kind of fits. Yeah. I don't know if it was period or if he was just wearing a cowboy hat. Couldn't <laughs> <laughs> <No. laughs> um, But yeah. So that is next of Shin, implying that we might get one of our favorite characters to appear. Yes, absolutely. The Shinless <laughs> General. It's been a while. Yeah, it's always nice seeing that in the title. So you're like, all right, at least I know I'm in for a good yeah, one. Exactly. <laughs> and speaking of uh, writing, it is written by the Allens, Cohen and Friedland. Our boys. This is uh, the sixth episode that they wrote of a total of 15. Including Shins of the Father, Jumping Crack Bass, Snow Job, The Final Shin Salt, Death of a Propane Salesman, which is Propane Boom Part 2. And so that's like three Cotton episodes now. They're pretty well versed. And like I'm going to mention them throughout the episode, but there's some sweet callbacks that I'm kind of guessing you guys didn't notice. Hmm. Uh, those, those guys I mean, are maybe you didn't notice. <laughs> yeah, you pointed out one of the like callbacks that would be fall under more of the directing stylings of Jeff Myers. Right, right, right. This is his fifth episode <laughs> of a total eleven, including Plastic White Female, Texas City Twister, Meet the Manger Babies, and Peggy's Turtle Song. Mm-hmm. I like to reiterate how talented the Allens are. I mean, like all the episodes they do are amazing, and like doing it as a tandem that seems so much more harder, like to me, as like like from a pure writing standpoint, to do like shared episodes with another person. Like, I don't know. These guys do. These guys have an entire career together, and I honestly think that writing um, scripts is a lot more fun with, a lot easier with. People. I'd imagine, like, if I had two of me, I would have a great time. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I, like, I liked it in, like, I don't know, in uh, in my screenwriting course that I took. Like, mm-hmm. I, you never work with people, but, like, you get a lot of, like, table reading and, like... It feels a lot less sensitive and personal and more of an actual work when you have somebody doing it with you because then you're not... You, it's not like you show somebody and you feel so attached to it. It's like it's a work something that you made together and it's already had exposure to at least one other person. And if one other person thinks it's as good as you think it is, then it right. gives you a little bit more confidence to just keep going and, and playing with it. I agree with that. Plus, I think you like yeah. just to elaborate what you said, I think it, it, it prevents you from being so attached. Yeah. Because you, you didn't spend all this time on something that somebody's right. like. I guess you already have an audience, essentially. Yeah. Or a you have a, you, I mean, a, 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 a creative 
partner that mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. you have a second opinion. Yeah. It does yeah. sound fun though, especially at this point. All the characters are like, you know, where they're at and say, "Hey, let's do this." Like, mm-hmm. why don't we take them here? <laughs> and I mean, totally. realistically, like we always do. I think it is important to note that like the way that television writing works is like. People always, I always see people in comments on the internet saying like, oh, Mike Judge, how did he come up with this? It's like, Mike Judge has one actual writing credit on the show. But that's not to say that he didn't come up with story ideas. Like, Plant some seeds. The way, that, the way that television writing actually works is like, you have 30 Teams. people sitting in a room mm-hmm. and they, they talk about stories and they break stories and then they come up with ideas and then they send that to, they assign that story that's already been broken to a to a writer and then they put it into script form and they bring it back and then they go through it again, mm-hmm. get the, get the input of the cast and then they go back and they redo it and redo it and redo it. Right. So like it is written by Alan Cohen and Friedland, but it's a production of a team. It's exactly that. Right. Awesome. Thank you. Uh, thank you for that. And with this episode, we get something exciting that uh, we haven't gotten in a minute. A synopsis. <laughs> Sorry, what would you like? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Sometimes Dale, we... Bill, and Hank set off for Las Vegas to look for cotton. Yes, thank you. And sorry, I was just super excited because I was looking over at Binzi, and I know that we get excited when we see a cold open. That's right. First one since Propane Boom Part Two. So I guess it's more or less the first mm-hmm. one of season two. Three. Yeah. Season three. <laughs> exactly. And this one is, uh, I believe we've never been here before. This is at Arlen Auto Parts. And we see a very uh, frustrated and annoyed lineup of people because there's a baby crying. And we pan to Hank and Peggy, who are just so happy to see a child, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, and obviously Hank wants to offer some assistance to the uh, to the mother with the baby. And uh, ends up giving him a raspberry uh, that makes him quite happy. And it's I... okay. He he sells propane. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's okay. He is the assistant manager of Strickland Propane. So, like right away, see like the the purpose of this cold open. I guess like picking up right where we left off at the from the previous episode. Yeah, this one really is like a direct continuation because Peggy even says like we're trying to get pregnant, but it's okay. We're just telling strangers. <laughs> yeah. Does do they say why they're there? Like, is there a I think Hank was picking up those fuel filters. Oh come on! There's no way through way he went. That Dude, was a mega low. Fuel that was a mega low pack of fuel filters. Well, later we see him in the garage with fuel filters. With the <laughs> same mega low pack of fuel filters. <laughs> I'm gonna actually no. That jackass just took one. <laughs> but Arlen Auto Parts, they don't sell them in dozens. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna assume that this is just like the hardware store where like Hank just goes there once a week, kind of regardless of if he really needs to or not. I mean, he took Peggy there, so. Yeah, it's just a little fun Saturday. It's like, you know how, like, you know, go to Canadian Tire on Saturday morning, even though you don't really need anything. You're just... Well, you got hot dogs out front. It's <laughs> yeah. great. You never... The thing is about Canadian Tire is, like, you never know that you need something there until you're there and you see the flyer. Until they have those outrageous sales. They do got some pretty good sales. I bought my, like, kitchen, like, pots and pans set. It was, like, two grand on for, like, 20 bucks. Oh, <laughs> it's like... It, it is, like... There, they always have one set of pots and pans on for yeah. for dirt cheap, and like it's you would never buy them for full price there. I don't know anybody who's ever spent. Yeah, if you've ever bought pots and pans for full price, you've been hustled. You're fucking up. Um, but of course, uh, baby uh, 
that looks a lot like Bobby. Baby Yoda. He does look like uh, Baby Bobby. Bob, Bob, Bobby. Yeah, for not sure. Yoda. Bobby. No, not Yoda. He was... does look like Bobby. I, I have a note here that says exactly that. I love that <laughs> that Hank puts the pine yeah. pine tree. Give him that new car smell. Yeah, he's got Bobby's same haircut. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Uh, and uh, then we get the intro title. So to start this episode off, you see uh, Hank and Peggy, and they're in their... That one wasn't me. <laughs> they're in the master bedroom, uh, and Peggy has just failed her 12th pregnancy test, I and she that. has them all, like, taped into a scrapbook. Did you see the title of the scrapbook? Family memories. memories? <laughs> I know, like, all of her memory, like, all the memories she chooses to keep, I've noticed now, are just... Like, horrible. Like, yeah. <laughs> a reminder that they can't get pregnant 85 times. All the crashes <laughs> at the fucking racetrack. It, all the tragedies she clips from the newspapers. Yeah, it's <laughs> funny because we, we see the, the, the contrast between Peggy's scrapbooking and Bobby's scrapbooking. Here's a leaf I found. <laughs> <laughs> and now this. Yeah. But yeah, it is like it's like, like she peed on those things. I don't think that's a typical memento of pregnancy, but uh, what would I know? Um, following this scene, we see Peggy and she hops over to her friend Nancy's house. And of course, she is talking to Nancy about her and Hank's uh, pregnancy struggles. And uh, Nancy suggests that they go to a fertility clinic. Yeah, to get an MRI because you no longer have to remove your clothing. Mm -hmm. It's just like a Doppler. Yeah. <laughs> I thought you used the Doppler radar. Oh, shook. It's the same thing. <laughs> Don't think it is. I did research, and I asked Allie, who is smart, <laughs> and she explained to me. I don't remember a lot of the words that she said, but... MRI is basically like mag magnetic. Mm -hmm. Like I think you put something in like a magnetic field and that's how you like read it. Doppler measures so you bounce a signal off of something and it measures the resistance between. So it's not they do not. They're not fundamentally the same thing at all. They're not. No, yeah. So so my suspicions are confirmed that Nancy has no idea what she's talking about. That's true. That's but true. it's nice that she can seem smart because she's talking to Peggy. Exactly. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Sometimes I do that when I, I'm talking to somebody that like about a subject I know I know more about. I just make something up. <laughs> <laughs> so Peggy takes this new information where about the Doppler radars, so they can just Doppler through Hank's shorts. Yeah. So they can count That's his the resistance. Yeah. Well, he doesn't want anybody poking and prodding yeah. at his bits. His naked so, nether. Yeah. I like he's giving Ladybird a bath. And... Which is nice. Again, like the true continuation of everything we saw in the last episode, just back in this one, Ladybird <laughs> makes a feature. And like, as usual, Hank's being ridiculous because it's like, the doctors already know he has a narrow urethra. Like, what more are they going to <laughs> examine? The conversation happens around Ladybird, which is Ladybird is kind of like how he was able to relax before. Mm -hmm. And so, like, I don't know. I just think the reminder that he spent all his time with Ladybird and Ladybird didn't have a baby, but... Exactly. And so, but um, when Peggy mentions that they're trying to have another baby, Hank... Uh, is annoyed because he said, I don't want to tell anybody, mm -hmm. not even family. And covers <laughs> Lady Bird's <Yeah>. ears. <laughs> oh, also, I want to apologize for the last episode. 
uh, my brain and my mouth weren't connecting. <laughs> oh, Ladybird? I said Ladybird like 80 times. I can't believe nobody didn't call you out on that. I'm happy nobody did, but like, I just wanted to come clean because it's been <laughs> on my conscience and weighing heavily. You should have seen his face while we were editing it. And he was just like, he was like, I said it here. We're like, no, you didn't. <laughs> he was like, I said Ladybird. We're like, no, you said Berg. Ladybird. 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 <laughs> it's just, it's easier to say Ladybird. <laughs> I don't know. I, no. Whatever. <laughs> yeah. Moving on. Moving on. Uh, yeah, so anyway, Hank Hank agrees that as long as he doesn't have to lose his shorts, he'll see a doctor. And what doctor does he see? Shoddy not. Shoddy not. My doctor, Rathaven, would put him out of cutter, man. He doesn't talk about him dying of chilly willy, man. I love that they flew him in from Calcutta. <laughs> 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 what the fuck? I like that. Like the other two names on the uh, the placard are just really simple names. Like there's like Brad Johnson or something <laughs> like that. I do think it's funny that this one isn't like an anti Hank though. Yeah, he's really like he, he's really reasonable and understands. Hank's yeah, fucking I mean he's tr- he's a pretty forgettable character to be honest. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, did he you... has a couple good lines, but did he... you look at uh, the the voice actor for that? I didn't. Did you? Nope. His name is Iqbal Feba. And he is like... Oh! <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Iqbal Feba. He plays the most forgettable characters in every show that he's been in. Is he mostly a voice actor or live? Like... Uh, live action, mostly. And he's just like a one-episode feature in so many shows. Around the time of King of the Hill, he was in one episode of Friends. Is he <laughs> always a doctor? Uh, it's funny. Uh, he was Dr. Vegas in a show. Okay. <laughs> And uh, he also uh, was in a show called Indian Spider-Man. Nice. Okay. He was in ER. He was in a bunch of stuff. I remember reading he was really big in Glee. Yeah, he was. He, that was probably his most featured right. uh, role. But everywhere else, it's just like one credit um, for years and years and years. He's still acting today. But uh, it looks like it never really took off to be a star. But he plays this role quite well. Yeah, he is hilarious when they're in the fertility clinic having their meeting. I just like that he understands Hank's uncomfortability, mm-hmm. but they still make it funny. So it's not like they're playing off on Hank's, you know, being uncomfortable. They're playing comedy on the doctor recognizing it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he <laughs> he's just <laughs> when he, when he asks like when, t- when he informs Hank that they're gonna need a sample, like that's yeah. one thing that they are gonna need from him. <laughs> <laughs> now is that something you do with a local anesthetic or? Will you have to put me under? Oh, no. Miss Hill, perhaps you could explain to your husband. Oh. <laughs> oh. Hank's, Hank's face, face is so red. <laughs> yeah, it, it's good. And, uh, like, that scene, or, like, following this scene, it's maybe one of the more, like, funnier one-line jokes that Hank offers in the series in my opinion, when he's in one of the uh, personal rooms trying to procure a sample. Uh, 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 busy. Occupied. Occupied. It's Dr. Buddha Manjur, Mr. Hill. Perhaps you'd be more comfortable trying this at home? No. Would you like a magazine? Okay. Do you have popular mechanics? (laughs) Miss Hill, what did you tell him exactly? (laughs) 
I love that it's just like it's like changing your oil. <laughs> I love that he's like he doesn't even waste any more time with Hank. He's no, like, what you, the fuck? No, no, <laughs> yeah, and like Denim mentioned, like he's got his jacket on, yeah. his like bag his in bag. his hand. He's like, you've been here for a while. So, oh, like, definitely. Yeah. Hank's been in there pulling rope for like four hours. <laughs> But uh, Popular Mechanics, popular monthly magazine that publishes articles on home improvement, automobile maintenance, and on new advancements in technology and science. Founded in 1902 and is one of the oldest magazines in the United States and consistently ranks among the most popular men's magazines in the country. I, I used to, like, watch PMK. I was just going to say. Before school every morning for, like, a, a, a good couple years when I was Jay really Baruchel, young. Alicia Cuthbert. Yeah. Those were good times. All I got was Corner Gas. Before Why? school? Yeah, it starts at, like, 7.30. <laughs> Two episodes. And where do your that. grades suffer? <laughs> Um, yeah, no, yeah, PMK, Popular Mechanics for Kids, that was fun. That yeah. was really fun back back in the day. That's a, that's a good uh, nostalgia throwback for the Canadian kids. It is, yeah. <laughs> so, back to the show, though, I assume this next scene in the doctor's office, is it the next day? Because, like, doctor was ready to go home, but now we're back with the results. Well, like, he's got a, yeah, no, I would imagine it's, the, it's with, it's a few days, maybe. Okay. I don't know what, sense. Hank must have, like, rented a hotel room or something, because <laughs> apparently he's not comfortable at home, he's not comfortable at the doctor's <laughs> office. Yeah, and then they had to, they had to, they would have to do the test, so. Yeah, yeah so, I don't, I don't know, I, like, it must have taken, like Hank says, it must have taken a, a long time to count. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because, uh, how, how, what's his sperm count? His sperm count is 8 million, and Peggy and Hank are both like, come on. Big number, like big number. And uh, they celebrated eight million because that's a yeah. big number. It's just like whoa, ho, ho. yeah. <laughs> He's all stoked. Well, it's not my urethra. <laughs> He's actually eight yeah. percent of the common man, which is a hundred million is normal. And uh, but Peggy, Peggy says. <laughs> now, Hank. Honey, just because you scored 8 million on your sperm test does not mean you did not give 110 million percent. <laughs> that's that's that, for effort. That's that thing you told me about, right? Giving 110 <laughs> <laughs> percent. It's their kind of go-to pep talk, really. Mm -hmm. uh, but uh, obviously, Hank's pretty disappointed, and uh, the doctor offers some suggestions. Mm -hmm. I like that he's receptive to the boxer shorts now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, before it was an absolute no-go. No. Mm -hmm. But he's doing anything he can to cool it down. Yeah, because mm -hmm. that, uh, that creates a breeze. One way to increase the number of healthy sperm is to lower the temperature. In the house? <laughs> in your pants. <laughs> <laughs> that sets off the biggest upset the alley's seen in years. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, it's not that... It's not that, uh, <laughs> Hank, it's... But it's not that he's wearing shorts. Oh, all right. Hank, maybe nobody else is going to say anything, but if we were supposed to wear shorts today, I would have appreciated the courtesy of a phone call. <laughs> yeah, man, over the dang old... I, too, am hurt. Uh, they all look so pissed. Like, <laughs> like, like, what, like, wearing shorts is a special occasion for the guys. Like, there's... <laughs> well, one doesn't, they all got to do like, it. Because we've seen Bill wear shorts, like, of quite a few times now in the series. Well, and it's, that was oh, when yeah. he was with, uh... uh yeah, right? that's the only time I can. And everyone else like horrified and like we yeah. don't want to see your feet. And Dale and, like... wore shorts when he went swimming. Mexico. Uh, yes. uh, but yeah, I like that. And then Hank's excuse is just that his jeans were in the wash. <laughs> yeah, that, that's his excuse. And that uh, 
He's going to. He's trying to change the subject by offering Bill a beer. Yeah. So he goes to grab Bill a beer, and then he just sits down on the cooler. <laughs> you know, I'm feeling kind of overheated myself. Scoot over, would you, Hank? <laughs> I love that the both of them are. Just so you know, I'm willing to drink beer you sat on. I'm just not willing to reach for it. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe the most logical thing Dale's ever said. I love that shot, too, of Dale. He's just, like, in between the yeah. two men sitting on a cooler. Yeah, and that cooler looked different, too. Usually it's red. Say, okay, yeah. yeah, like, that looks a lot different than the cooler they had in front of the outdoor couch. Yes, it, I believe it's always different. red with the white lid in this it one. It like a military cooler. It was like it was, it was like metal. Like, matching Hank's shorts, almost, or almost. something. So the next scene, we see Hank's efforts uh, to cool his nethers at work. He's uh, sitting at his desk, and he's got, I believe, two or three fans going. And he's in his underwear. (laughs) But yeah, he's got boxers on this time. Yeah, he does. Exactly. Loose, loose fitting. (laughs) And I I like the animation that just everything that can be blowing around is blowing around in the office. I like that, and I I love, I want one of the little... The little propane. (laughs) I have the paperweight written down. That is the coolest thing ever. That was awesome. Yeah. Like, you know what? You know how they sometimes have those tabletop lighters? That you, oh, yeah. they look like, you know, a, like handheld size. I imagine that propane yeah. is a lighter as well. I was that thinking cool. that or a flashlight. That was my yeah. exact thoughts too. Like I she... just thought it was a cool paperweight, but yeah. I guess it could be anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, also very, I'm glad you guys picked up on that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but uh, anyways, hey, uh, Buck comes in to, uh, you know, obviously ulterior motive give hank advice mm-hmm. uh but he notices you know all the papers blown around hank says oh i'm just uh filing all the sales receipts <laughs> yeah. that i did i'm just today. drying the ink on all the sales i made the scene was like it was like uh, like it confused me a bit at first because like when I, the, the door first opened i assumed hank would be like oh well like i mean i like i assumed he was like meant to lock uh, it but all of a sudden he's like he's okay with his boss and a Potentially, his coworkers seeing him and is gone. And I think uh, this kind of gives more uh, weight to when Hank and Peggy are arguing later, saying like, "I, you worked. I've worked very hard. So yeah. like, he's obviously over overcome a lot mm-hmm. to 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 work at making uh, this baby happen." Mm-hmm. I mean, the way I saw it was like Strickland propane as a team. Bucks the coach. Yeah. You know, it's just like locker room, you know? Yeah. Must have gone through worse when he was in yeah. college ball. <laughs> well, usually there is like at least a bang on the door, like, I'm coming in. <laughs> That's us knocking. <laughs> but it does like, it just picks off from pregnant, or sorry, it, it takes off from where we left from pregnant pause. Hank and Peggy's little powwow they had in the pickup truck, like, talking about how they're both so serious about wanting to have another baby and mm-hmm. the lengths that Hank is willing to go were a little surprising to me. And uh, I like the way that Buck mentions the fertility doctor. I saw the insurance forms from your weenie doctor. Uh, those forms were supposed to be confidential <laughs> and employees are supposed to wear pants. But I won't tell if you don't. <laughs> your weenie doctor. <laughs> it's like how Hank will never like actually just call Buck out. Like you can't look at those things. He's like that was supposed to be confidential, <laughs> but Buck doesn't care. No. Following this um, rather bizarre interaction at Strickland Propane, <laughs> we find Hank at an old friend of ours. 
That's right. Yes, I always love it when this appears. I love to see our good friend Earl of Earl's Guitar Shop fame. Unfortunately, Les is nowhere to be seen. I always hope Les is going to be there. Do you think he got fired? I mean, I imagined that they were related. So I don't think he could fire Les. Because remember we saw him at the gun safety program. So maybe he's taken a different hobby. He's a hunter now. That would (laughs) fucking make a lot of sense. He is probably chasing down guys for unpaid parking tickets. But Earl – or sorry, Hank's picking up Betsy from – I guess Earl was just giving her a little tune-up there. And Earl asks Hank if he knows about peaches. Going to the country, gonna eat a lot of peaches. Uh, no, that's not the reason I asked. I, I was thinking about a way to get your count up. Oh, God, was Buck Strickland in here? No, but the gal who cuts his hair was. <laughs> <laughs> so, of course, Buck is telling every single person he can think of. Buck doesn't have fucking hair. <laughs> well, he has enough. <laughs> He's got enough to make an appointment with a pretty lady. I guess so. Oh yeah, so Buck's got. But uh, I want to take this opportunity now to talk about peaches. Oh, of course, <clears throat> POTUS. It is uh, POTUS. POTUS of a. The uh, peaches is a song by Presidents of the United States of America. This is a Seattle band formed in 1993 who broke up in 2016. So they formed in 93. When did Peaches come out? I'm glad you asked that question. Peaches is from their debut album, self-titled, that were released on March 10th, 1995. What year were you born? March 11th, 1995. So this is the day before Dustin's birthday this one came out. Nice. Um, You think that was planned? I think so. The single... (laughs) The single was released on February 27, 1996. Uh, so that's like when it came on the radio and everything. But So is it fair to call them a one-hit wonder? I would I would argue that because I was surprised when it said this was their most popular song. Mm. Well, I mean, I heard that the song was originally called Nectarine, but then they added a fuzz <laughs> effect to the guitar. That's a good one. Uh, no, I mean, I, I always associate them with Lump. Oh, right, I forgot about Lump. I was trying to think of another song, but I don't. Remember that? Wait, wait, Denim. Isn't there a story yeah. about you at a bar? I think I, I think I told this on the podcast when we talked about Lump last time. It's but just one of my favorite stories. I do ever. love it. I put ten bucks worth of Lump in the juice box <laughs> at the Canby. It's the live action equivalent of YouTube's ten hours. <laughs> <laughs> and like, I was playing pool with like a buddy of mine who didn't know that I did that. He's like. And then he was just like, didn't we just hear this song? I was like, yeah, isn't it fucking awesome? Yeah. He's like, yeah, it's a good song. But like, I think we just heard it. And I was like, yeah, we did. And I was like, he's like, well, why? And I was like, I put $10 worth of love in the jukebox. <laughs> Where did you get $10? <laughs> oh, I remember it was because Weird Al parodied Lump. Exactly. That's why we were talking yeah, about we were it. Talking yeah, we were talking Weird Al. Yes. Uh, but yeah, uh, so this song, um, I guess it was their most popular, which I... I I always thought Lump was, but yeah. I'd I'd take Peaches over Lump. Would you? Anyway. um, But how do you feel about Lumpy Peaches? How do you feel about making love? Not good. Feel like making Now play peaches. Moving to the country, I'm gonna eat a lot of peaches. Peaches come from a can. They were put there by a man in a factory downtown. 
Is this a fuzzier drop? <laughs> All right. I mean, so they've, like, uh, presidents of the United States of America have acknowledged that they borrowed the riff from Feel Like Making Love. Oh. Um, I mean... Because you can't, like, if you were thinking about it, you, like, you wouldn't notice. Right. And I mean, like, but. it's different enough. And I am always under the uh, impression that there's nothing new under the sun. So yeah, fucking there's reuse, only 12 chords. Reuse yeah. the shit out of, I mean, actually, there's only three. You just got to play them in the right order. Yeah, that's yeah. true. Well, I mean, my, probably my favorite band of all time is infamous from borrowing every fucking Riff. I mean, it's called sampling, but yeah, it's a little different. Oh, Oasis. Oh, oh, I thought yeah. you were talking about Beastie Boys. <laughs> no, 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 no. My other favorite band. <laughs> All right. Um, yeah, anyway, I, uh, I, I I, didn't really, I didn't hear it really, but yeah. That's, if you think about it, yeah, yeah. It's, but it's it's different. It, it's same, way, same, but different. It's different enough. I mean, I did read the story of how he wrote it. He was waiting for a girl he had a crush on. And while she was like, he was like waiting on, he was waiting on his, on her front lawn, sitting under her peach tree. And I guess like he was just waiting for her to come there so he could like ask her out or tell her he liked her or whatever. Yeah. Stalking her. Yeah. <laughs> and so and then I guess while he sat there, he wrote peaches. Interesting. Yeah. There's... So that's all I got to say about, um, peaches today. Uh, well, I, I learned a little bit. So thank you for that. Yep. But that's not what Earl meant at all. No. He, he meant... Uh, but he did ask him if you know the song. Yeah. <laughs> he yeah. framed it in that. Yeah, how, do I, how do I put this? Yeah. <laughs> Which, truth be told, Hank, my count used to be nine million, almost as low as yours. But the thing that worked for me was peaches. Uh, I don't know. I'd... Soak yourself in peaches three times a day, Hank. Well... Peaches. <laughs> so, uh, what's your sperm count? Uh, 200 million. I, I can't count that high. Probably a hundred million, actually. I got, I'm just... I got, yeah, yeah, I, got yeah. I don't know. Oh, like totally. Sixty. I just. <laughs> I like that. Like I guess thirty. <laughs> but like for Hank, like Earl would never have a lower sperm count than Hank. Like when shit goes bad for Hank, it just gets worse. Like almost as low as yours. You know, like that's just another like neck scratching moment for Hank. It's like gee, 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 thanks, Earl. Is that where Les came from? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he was one of the nine million, the best yeah. of them, really. He was Earl's little miracle boy. I mean, it's kind of on par with Bobby. Um, but yeah, anyway, so I guess uh, Peggy, she takes another pregnancy test. And uh, those cost a lot of money. Like, are, are they expensive? Uh, I mean, like, I, I wouldn't know, but they're like for just a pack of one, 20 bucks for a pack of two, 30 bucks. Case you're really sure. I mean, Beavis and Butthead just stole it in that, <laughs> in that episode. I'm gonna say you don't want to, you don't want to buy a cheap pregnancy test. <laughs> I'm pretty sure in Canada you just get it if you just need it. Uh, I mean, like, I, I think you can't. No, I had to pay so. But you had the means. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, but yeah. Uh, I peed on it. Nothing happened. <laughs> <laughs> it's just full. I like that she. I like that. So she does it, and she says, "Okay, it's gonna take twenty seconds." Mm-hmm. Oh, and she tries to give this like uh, uplifting. Speech. Yeah, like so I she... don't blame you. Sperm counts are dropping all over the world, and I don't blame you for that either. Hank, we both worked very hard, and I could feel we're getting closer, honey. It is within our grasp. That's if- 20 seconds. <laughs> <laughs> you can just tell the whole time he wasn't listening, just counting in his head. Yes. And I like I don't think it was a full 20 seconds, to be honest. No. Well, from the time that she peed on it. Uh, okay, yeah, okay, yeah. 
and like you just yeah you just tell how much this means to hank like they, like he just continues to feel like he's failing he's failing he's failing all he wants to see is a positive pregnancy test mm-hmm. he he's knows tunnel vision right but he doesn't have to hear that Peggy doesn't blame him because he is the reason why it's not happening. Like, that's a fact. Well, no, she doesn't blame him for sperm camps dropping all over the world. Yeah. <laughs> I wanted to, like... It's at, cell phones and motorcycles. It made me think, <laughs> I was trying to think if, like, maybe, like, propane had something to do oh, with, okay. like, yeah, yeah. La- I don't know, heating up the world or something. And yeah. making... <laughs> uh, but... Now we get... But this next scene is really, like, the incident that just sets this whole episode into motion. Fucking pivotal. Yes. Dad, what are you doing here? You didn't talk to Buck Strickland's hairstylist, too, did you? Nah, not in two years. Thought I'd drop by for a surprise visit. Hey, Hank's wife. Cotton. Diddy woman, hurry up with my bags. Hey, Hank's wife. (laughs) I love when Hank opens the door and, like, it's pointed, like... You could just see the top of Cotton's head, yeah. and then it has to, like, adjust and, like, point down. Yeah, it gives you Hank's POV. And I love when Dee Dee comes waddling up. Oh, my hey, God. Hey, don't worry. She ain't fat. I got her knocked up. <laughs> yeah. She's just struggling with these two big yeah. suitcases, like, like resting them on her knees, pretty much, as she's, like, walking. Cotton's just the worst. So bad. And I love how, like, Hank... Like just in just in stark contrast to when Gary made Hank's mom carry oh, the, yeah, the, yeah. the bags, and he's like, "Look at her, got her carrying all the yeah. bags." And she wasn't even pregnant. No, so he's probably gonna use her like a footstool, like my dad did. <laughs> <laughs> Not a turn of phrase. Yeah. Oh, you're just exaggerating. Not really. <laughs> yeah. So then uh, we get a nice shot of dinner at the Hill House. And, uh, of course, the first topic of conversation is how they got pregnant. Yeah, we was using four layers of protection and my men still got through. Everybody That's knows. what happens if you use four layers. <laughs> Everybody knows the more you use, the more likely they are to break. Oh, my God. That is so funny. Cotton is just leading this conversation. Peggy's trying to get him to stop because there's children at the table. Thanks. <laughs> did, you, did you guys notice their plates? Uh, okay, I wanted to say. I didn't. Do, okay, so everybody was eating meatloaf except for Cotton, who was eating eggs and sausage. <laughs> oh, seriously? See, Bobby? Woman works, man loses his sausage. <laughs> he was eating eggs and sausage. <laughs> yeah, everybody else had meatloaf. Yeah. I thought it was steak and eggs, but yeah, I, it I, probably I, was. I, I was just sausage. looking at the casserole dish that Peggy had in the middle of the table, I assume. You wouldn't put steaks in a casserole dish. It was probably meatloaf mm-hmm. and like veggies of some kind. Well, because like that's... I would have because the episode where he says like, "Well, he's a veteran. He gets a steak." He's like, "I'll have that steak." He's hell the hell you were. Mm-hmm. But like I thought it because it was weird because it was it was panning and like all their plates were different and it's like it's that's something like you never would see in an animated show is different food on a plate and I even paused it and like to look outside I was like is this breakfast is this mm-hmm. dinner and screw me up but it was it was dark house so like yeah. it, was, it was dinner and. uh and I do want to point out that that reference to uh, man and his sausage is straight from Shins of the Father, which has the same writers. There you oh. go. So, of course, they're going to bring – that's one of the callbacks I was talking about, that these guys know their cotton. Nice and callback. Anytime cotton gets a chance to have a meal, <laughs> it's sausage. Oh, <laughs> I mean, that's a favorite line. <laughs> oh, my God. I love it. 
This dinner progresses. Mm-hmm. Um, Peggy's trying to like she keeps hinting to Con about how like lucky they are and like how grateful they should be and like. You know, at your age, Cotton, having a child will be such a blessing. If it's a boy. (laughs) (laughs) I can just picture, uh, we say this every time, but uh, I can just picture Toby Huss in the studio just like, if it's a boy. (laughs) You think that was (laughs) ad-libbed? No, I hope so. Um, But it's like, she's like, yeah, Hank's like, not often, like, would a man at 75, like, get a woman pregnant? And Dee Dee is the same age as Hank, who we believe to be 40. Mm-hmm. There's a 35-year age gap. And then Hank goes, well, when the kid's 18... I'll be dead. Pass the beans. <laughs> <laughs> Pass the beans. We blew right past the part you were trying to say also earlier. About there's a child present. It's okay, Hank. She's my wife. Oh, yeah. <laughs> She's my wife, Hank. She was there when it happened. And don't <laughs> right, baby cakes. Um... If you say so, Cotton. <laughs> that makes me wonder. <laughs> I definitely, so. I definitely thought at that point, Cotton was gonna be. Like, You're right, Bobby. Leave the room. <laughs> <laughs> Dee, Dee, grab your plate. <laughs> but uh, so yeah, that that dinner scene is just hilarious. I love that as soon as Cotton comes in, he comes in guns a blazing. He takes over the entire. He's the center of attention, and he's always Whoa. got just the worst shit to say. But you, it's so funny. You, you know him. Have you lost your shins in WW2? <laughs> well, you know me. I'm larger than life. It's just like one liner after one liner. Like Cotton is the best. Actually, Con and Cotton, like Toby Huss, does my favorite yeah. characters. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can't, can't get enough of them. Uh, they're really. both similar in that they are just boisterous and just like... Yeah, very abrupt. I mean, and you could roll the yeah. Ross Perot clip here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, this is kind of a Ross Perot-ish sort of... Well, it's kind of mean and nasty, but loud the whole time. So he just screams a lot. Following this scene, we see Dale, Bill, and Boomhauer, and they're out in the alley. Gossiping. Yeah, they're talking about Hank. They're talking about the pregnancy. And I believe Bill is wearing shorts. And <laughs> I love sandals. It. I yeah. love shorts it. and sandals. I mean, it makes him look fatter, fatty. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's funny that, like, Dale's telling the boys about uh, Hank's issue as if it wasn't com- common knowledge. Mm-hmm. And, like, obviously, we yeah, see around town, everybody knows that they're trying to have, get pregnant. We can't because of Hank's urethra. And Dale's yeah, it's, just like, it's not my news. secret sources. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And that yeah, it, like they should be well aware of this. Like Hank's narrow uridi has been <laughs> a subject for a long time now. You mean that yeah. skinny pipe in your thingy? <laughs> <laughs> so Hank shows up with cotton and. Good God! Have you gotten fatter, fatty? Sir, yes, sir. <laughs> like, the boys just love having. Yeah, so I mean, oh, minus minus Boomha, right? He just kind of stands there because yeah. you know how he feels about Cotton. He's Cotton a little, funny he's scared of him. Since we talked about that, I've kind of just been paying more attention to like Cotton and Boomha's <laughs> interactions. And you're right, he just he even stands a little bit farther away than everybody. Like, yeah, he's like leaning backwards away from Cotton, like he wants out. <laughs> it's like all the all the Mike Judge characters just want nothing to do with Cotton. And I mean, have you noticed that, like, when they go look for Cotton, who doesn't come? The Boomhauer. Yeah, to Vegas. Yeah, yeah like, that would be his yeah. place to go and flourish, but, mm-hmm. I mean, not to find fucking Cotton. Leave him there. He's not got to... his own... He doesn't He doesn't even want Bill and Dale bringing his time down <laughs> yeah. while he's in Vegas. <laughs> we'll we'll, we'll yeah. get to it in yeah. a minute. But... Mm-hmm. I just... I love how Bill acts around Cotton, how Cotton is, like... 
constantly like degrading him and making fun of him. But like in Bill's mind, you know, he's, he's like, that's Colonel, that's Colonel Cotton Hill. Like he's cool. Like I'm just going to like but accept it. I don't know much about the military except what I've seen in some movies. Yeah. And it feels like that is a uh, common practice, especially yeah. for maybe <laughs> how they treat an army barber. Yeah. <laughs> like, and, Dale uh, continues from where we picked off from the final shinsault, just kissing Cotton's ass. Colonel, let me be the first to congratulate you on the impregnation of Hank's stepmother. Bingo! Bingo! (laughs) (laughs) What's that one joke he makes where Dale starts, like, laughing so hard and he's, like, wheezing? I ain't got a narrow ureti. He gets that from his mother. <laughs> Mine's so damn wide I could pass the child myself if I had to. <laughs> <laughs> he has to grab Bill for support. <laughs> Stay stable. I love, I love it. It reminds me too when he was t- when he talks about Jill Theismann's birdie legs. Yeah. Like, mine's so damn wide. <laughs> <laughs> The dip was so thick. <laughs> yeah. And like Cotton like spreads his shins so yeah. wide. Whoa, <laughs> that's a low blow. Oh, good one. Got no shits. But I think Dale and Cotton is my my favorite. Like probably aside from Con and Buckley, my favorite relationship. Like because when we left them, with Shins and the father, the cops were there. They were Cotton was trying to kill him with some dental floss. <laughs> <laughs> But now it's like, oh, a couple months have passed, and it's just back to what they were. Um, and I like how Hank tries to change the subject here. So, Dad, uh, you must be pretty happy about them executing that woman in Huntsville. Uh, so I did a little uh, dig in. It didn't take me very long. No, it was, <laughs> it was pretty obvious what he was referring to. Um, so what he was referring to is Carla Faye Tucker. She was executed in Huntsville, Texas. Uh, on February 3rd, 1998, uh, she was sentenced to death for killing two people with a pickaxe during a burglary. Wow. Um, Where she got a pickaxe? I can. I have the story. <laughs> How much of the story would you like? See, that's that, like I did a little research on the story too, and as I kept reading, it got more and more interesting. Yeah. And I really liked how gentle Wikipedia put it. Yeah. But she was fucked on drugs. Like, she, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, she was born and raised in Houston, Texas, the youngest of three sisters. Her father, Larry, was a longshoreman. The marriage of her parents was troubled. And Tucker started smoking cigarettes with her sister when she was eight years old. Eight years old. Old. Uh, That's when my mom started. By age 12, she had begun taking drugs and having sex. She dropped out of school at 14 and followed her mother, Carolyn, a rock groupie, into prostitution and began (laughs) traveling. No wonder it was a troubled marriage. (laughs) Traveling with the Allman Brothers Band, the Marshall Tucker Band, and the Eagles. They tried repeatedly to get them to stop. Um, I really, really, really wanted it to say Leonard Skinner. <laughs> I was like, that's the only one missing out of the... I mean, replace the Eagles with Skinner. Yeah, Fucking Eagles. <laughs> but yeah, um, the, she got married when she was 16 and then again when she was 21. And I guess like... She hopped around from guy to guy. Yeah, and but her final husband, his last name was Garrett. Daniel Ryan Garrett. Danny Garrett. Um, the two of them, after a weekend of using hard drugs with their friends, Tucker and Garrett entered 
uh, Jerry Dean's apartment in Houston, Texas, around 3 a.m. Yeah, because, like, they had met another couple. Don't cuss at me, Jerry Dean. <laughs> <laughs> they had met another couple, obviously, that they probably, like, did drugs with and, like, befriended them. And Tucker stole their set of house keys from, like, uh, the, you know, pretended they went missing. And they wanted they wanted a, a motorbike that he was working on. <laughs> like, a complete bike. It wasn't even done. It wasn't a it was bike. A, it was, a, they, okay, so then as they were so, stealing parts, <laughs> like making trips to steal parts for this motorcycle. We're going to so, fix this up. And <laughs> so when was this? 1983, June, June 13th, 1983. Okay. Um, and, yeah, so they, the... They went to his apartment and just started, and he was in an apartment. <laughs> like, and yeah, they just wow. started stealing motorcycle parts. And uh, during the burglary, Tucker and Garrett entered Dean's bedroom where Tucker sat on him. In an effort to protect himself, Dean grabbed Tucker above the elbows, whereupon Garrett intervened. Garrett struck Dean numerous times in the back of the head with a ball peen hammer that he found on the floor. And then this is where it gets super, super drug addicty. Yeah, it gets kind of graphic. Wait, if... The Paul Peen Hammer just chilling on the floor. Well, oh god, sure there's more chilling it. on the floor. Dude, yeah, there is. There's a. a... Lot of... I mean, I, we spoiled it already, but yeah, the uh, if he the... starts to make this. Hey, wait, wait. Okay. If you are, if you are sensitive to anything, maybe don't listen. Yeah, skip ahead like two minutes if you're if you're squeamish. Dean grabbed Tucker. Or sorry. <clears throat> After hitting Dean, Garrett left the room to carry motorcycle parts out of the apartment. Tucker remained in the bedroom. The blows Garrett had dealt Dean caused him to begin making a, quote, gurgling sound. Tucker wanted to, quote, stop him from making that noise. And then she picked up the three-foot pickaxe that was lying against the bedroom wall and began hitting Dean. Garrett then re-entered the room, dealt Dean a final blow to the chest. Where Garrett left the bedroom again to continue loading Dean's motorcycle parts into his Ford Ranchero. Like <laughs> Not Ford even trip. an El Camino. Oh like my trip. And God. so, th no, this is the this this is this, the scariest this part. This is the kick. No. Yeah. yeah. Nothing worse kicker. than a Ranchero. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Tucker was once again left in the room and only then noticed a woman who had hidden under the bed covers against the wall. The woman, Deborah Ruth Thornton, had argued with her husband the day before went to a party and ended up spending the night in Dean's bed. Upon discovering Thornton, Tucker grazed her shoulder with the pickaxe. Thornton and Tucker then began to struggle, but Garrett returned and separated them. Tucker proceeded to hit Thornton repeatedly with the pickaxe and embedded the axe in her heart. Tucker Ugh. would later tell people and testify the exper that, the, that she experienced intense multiple orgasms with each blow of the pickaxe. What the what hard drugs were they using? I mean, I'm gonna I'm gonna assume a combination. Yeah, like at least three. Yeah. they ain't slept in weeks. <laughs> no. the, the next morning, one of they Dean's thought stealing an unfinished motorcycle. They thought they could idea. build a motorbike. Oh my god! <laughs> we ride across country and sell it. <laughs> they were, where did that, that go? Yeah, they um. I guess the next morning, Dean's co-worker, who had been waiting for a ride, entered the apartment and discovered the gruesome scene. And uh, within five weeks, the Tucker and Garrett were both arrested. And I didn't actually get the... the I'm assuming Garrett must have got the death sentence also. But Tucker, Tucker rotted in jail for another... I thought it was yeah. 14 years. 14 years, yes, 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 yes. And uh, Executed by lethal injection after 14 years on death row. And there was some controversy about yeah. her 
penalties. Some... Well, she, apparently she found God. Yeah, she she came out and then she got a lot of people like not like across the world to support her. But uh, I mean, it was just because she was a woman and because she found God. People yeah. are so fucking dumb. Those so, people that like make friends with the people on death row and shit like that. It's like... Yeah. Yeah, so uh, obviously Cotton would be pumped to hear about her demise. Yes. Because, like... I don't remember, like, what was the reference that Cotton said, like, about that woman in Huntsville? Like, what no, was the Cotton context? didn't say no, anything. Hank, Hank was trying, was trying to... to change the subject. Oh, like, you must have been happy that they executed that woman in Huntsville. Oh. Well, fuck, who wouldn't have been? Some crazy <laughs> fucking moron. Yeah, that's... I mean, the world's a better, better place without her, that's for sure. So we get another shot of the family photo album. Where Hank's like taking out his bag, his Ziploc baggie of ice, and <laughs> yeah. cracking with several cans of Megalo peaches, yeah. and just dumping them in the bath to go. So What's I wanted, I was curious. Like, do you think he's gonna do this again, like in well, four hours, or is he gonna let it sit there all day and just get you know the bath three the times a day? Like, it's. I don't think it's feasible. To fill a bathtub enough to soak yourself three times a day. That's like, like, do you just gotta soak your bag or what? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, at that point, you might as well just use a can. Earl (laughs) didn't specify. That would have been a lot more cost effective if he used just like, yo, tea bag, a bucket (laughs) full of peaches. But like, it reminds me of like, you know, like when you get like, skunked by a skunk it's like oh you gotta like sit and like have you been skunked by skunk tomato juice yeah no I haven't me either the tip of the spear's dog got skunked once (laughs) (laughs) this is what he told you (laughs) pass me a beer So the next scene, we get a shot of the whole family going out shopping at Bibs and Cribs. And uh, Dee Dee feels a little weird about her you know, daughter-in-law buying her a crib. Her stepdaughter. <laughs> yeah, sorry. <laughs> but uh, Peggy's already been there picking out cribs, or at least, you know... Well, she's only, she needs to tell somebody about their plans, and she only wants to tell total strangers. <laughs> so she ends up telling the clerk. <laughs> she, what she doesn't count on is that when you tell that to people, they are no longer total strangers. <laughs> exactly. <Yes. laughs> and this woman, like, recognized her. She's like, Peggy Hill, I haven't seen you in forever. <gasps> oh, my Lord, congratulations. I knew you could do it, mister. Oh, and you're already showing. What? <laughs> <laughs> now, if you closed your eyes and listened to that, Leanne. that's Leanne. That's what I was going to ask. <laughs> oh, I was going to sure. say, who is that? That's Leanne. <laughs> well, he's just gorgeous. Oh, feel these muscles. Yeah, that's a perfect uh, match. Oh, totally. But their uh, awkward situation is interrupted by an announcement in the store for... Uh, all the daddies to take a diaper uh, wrapping lesson. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's when Cotton starts to have some flashbacks. Yeah. Yeah, it's like uh, 
all the babies are turning into like little yeah. soldiers and yeah, like the, guy, uh, the, the baby and the bouncer as like is the parachute. Yeah, the one repels yeah. out of the mama's backpack the, and the, the, two... bo- the bottle becomes a machine gun. No, yeah. the grenade. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. I I I really I just I don't know. I call these nightmare scenes and I love them. I just love. I, I especially yeah. love them in in. King of the Hill. Yeah, they, they there's do. the one in uh, the Bobby episode about mm-hmm. uh, the girls Kane in puberty. It's always yeah. like those like weird like green and purple colors that like yeah. yeah it's it's really well done, and yeah, Cotton's like totally overwhelmed. He has a he has his little freak out and he and he runs off. He yeah, says he needs a drink. Exactly. Yeah, and we find him having a drink with none other than Bobby Hill at the. Is that, it's not the Hotel Arlen. I don't remember what the name of the bar is. It was before they went to the Hotel Arlen, and I, I can't yeah. remember. But it was that. But it's yeah. that exact same it's that scene. Exact same bar. Caught even root beers. smacks the waitress's ass. But he's like, he's not even happy. Yeah, <laughs> it's like, it's like oh, I guess. Yeah. He just he just needs to do it. Yeah. yeah, we see Cotton showing like some of the most like humility we've seen him ever show. And Bobby, I don't know what he's doing. He's playing along. I didn't plan for this. You think I planned for this? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know how it is. You dim the lights, put a little Andrew Sisters on the phonograph. Hey, you likes the Andrew Sisters, Bobby? Likes them? I loves them. <laughs> <laughs> It doesn't like, love the ancestors. It's like I guess like Bobby was silent at dinner time, but he really he understands everything. And now he knows his grandpa maybe a bit better, and mm-hmm. he's like he's not gonna ask like typical Bobby deadpan questions, which he would like normally do. He's like, all right, my grandpa needs to vent. I'm gonna just be like the shoulder to cry on. I'm gonna tell him what he wants to hear. And Cotton really likes Bobby. Oh, of course. I mean, and yeah, and I love he. So he starts telling him that. Hank and Hank's wife are trying to have a baby. <laughs> and it takes Bobby a second to, like, clue in. At first, he's a little – he's a little smiles about it, but then he doesn't really like the idea at all. Um, As Cotton explains that they had to fly in a doctor from Calcutta. <laughs> they flew a doctor in from Calcutta. Maybe he'll find a way to get you a baby brother. A brother. Baby brother. <laughs> Mom and Dad are gonna have another kid. Guess they wanna get it right this time. <gasps> Didn't we say that? Like, yeah, you said that specifically. <laughs> yeah. That they wanted to get it right because the last one was broken. Because he's not right. <laughs> he's not right. So I'm glad that we're pretty in tune with that. Uh, but of course, uh, we get to the uh, the next scene is Hank in his garage. And he's... uh. Sitting on a magnet. Yeah, so he's doing a personal MRI. Yeah. <laughs> I, I didn't get it. Yeah, like I looked up like the effects on magnets and like increasing sperm count, and I'm pretty sure they do the opposite. They oh, really? Lo- like a, like magnetic field. Like you know what Dale's talking about later? The electromagnetic fields are gonna lower your. Oh sperm yeah, he count. does say that. Yeah. That's like a true thing. Oh really? <laughs> yeah. So if anything, Hank is hindering his chance to have a child by sitting on that mega magnet. <laughs> In those shorts that make him look (laughs) and then uh he's uh he's interrupted by bobby who now wants to show that he is a son interested in what his father likes uh no son uh just uh checking the percentage of man-made fibers in these uh fuel filters yep it's uh 30 percent that's very interesting you know i'm very interested in things like that 
Okay, then it's settled. You and Mom won't have another baby. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's when he drops the screwdriver into yeah. the magnet. Yeah. <laughs> Dangerously close to Hank's urethra. <laughs> A hard target to hit, but very close. He's like, who told you about that? He's like, Grandpa did. <laughs> <laughs> I like that every time Hank hears about it, it's somebody else that told them. Yeah. So he's just, yeah. everybody knows. <laughs> Bobby does have, like, some legit concerns. Like, you hear, like, those are things that, like, an older, like, a much older sibling would have when they find out that their parents are trying to get pregnant. Totally. And, like, it's... I mean, I was four, and I was really excited to have a little brother. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but you were four. Bobby's 12. He feels like he's the the star and that... I was the star. (laughs) I used to be the favorite. (laughs) But he would have tried harder if... uh, if he knew that, that having another kid was an option. If I knew this could happen, I'd have worked harder over the years. You know, exercised, cut back on the fruit pies, gotten a few bees to raise my average. Speaking of fruit pies. Can I offer you a fruit pie, Miles? I got a little Debbie. These are special order from uh, Washington State. From the greatest state? Um, yeah, yeah, I'll take it. I'll, 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 I'll take a little Debbie? Yeah, yeah, yeah throw, throw a little Debbie my way. I, uh... I, that was my first time having a little Debbie. They are good. They're real good. These are the fruit pies. They're yeah, so good. They're real I've, good. Uh, I've actually had one before at Elder Little Pond's house. Oh, and yeah. His immediate suggestion was put it in the microwave yeah. for about 20 seconds. Oh, that's oh, a good idea. Warm it up. Warm it up. Maybe I'll try that. And yeah. I got I got two boxes. So. And you know what's so classic about, like, moms when they have two kids? If they get one one thing, they have to get the other something as well. Well, I was given Little Debbie's without even asking, but I got the caramel. Oh, uh, those are the ones I didn't want. Yeah. They, <laughs> the box was opened when I got it. Thanks. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, I texted my mom, and I was just like, because my mom went down to Washington to go to the casinos and she our parents went our parents <laughs> our parents went and then she was like uh, I texted her and I was like well pick me up some little Debbies and she comes back with like two two three boxes of little Debbies and the and one of them was that chocolate one and then but while she was down there she texted me she's like they only have the apple like you wanted the red kind and I was like she's like they have this other brand and I was like no it's really about just getting it's, yeah, it's about the Debbie I need a little Debbie you had me at fruit pie yeah. <laughs> and they're pretty pretty damn good they're yeah. pretty good sugar coating really makes it, it oh makes yeah that pastry uh... I would throw this into my lunchbox every day yeah they're... don't read the back don't <laughs> don't don't, don't do that to yourself. <laughs> There's a lot of high fructose corn syrup. <laughs> I think that's fruit, right? That's good for you, I think. High fruit syrup. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's like real fruit. Yeah. But Hank, Hank consoles Bobby and says, you know what? Like, don't say that. Like, you're not the failure here. Like, I'm insinuating that he is the failure, but he doesn't say that. And, like, I love Bobby so much. Like, he's back to being just, like, the realest character in the show at this point. You know, like... Mm-hmm. Yeah, he has like such like a, a C plot in this episode. I don't know, like a real C plot, mm-hmm. but like I love his, especially later. I guess we'll talk about it. But yeah, his how threatened he is by this pr- prospect. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. and uh, before we get further into that C plot, we're interrupted by our A plot, DD, who is running like a weirdo. Like that's the weirdest cartoon <laughs> run I think I've seen on this show. She's pregnant. Yeah, but pregnant people aren't supposed to run. And They're like... also not supposed to load the cars into the. Bu- 
They're also not supposed to load the luggage into the Cadillac car. <laughs> they're also not supposed to get impregnated by a 75-year-old man without shins. <laughs> That's yeah. just a written rule. Hank, Hank, Hank. Cotton's missing. He's run away. What? Are you sure? Oh, yes. He had me load his bags into the Cadillac car. <laughs> Peggy, my dad got out. We got to go find him. It's like he's Jake. Yeah. yeah, when Lefty gets out, that's my exact reaction, too. It's like, I thought you guys let Jake out earlier. I was like, oh, fuck. <laughs> so the Hills, uh, which is Peggy, Hank, and Bobby, they go searching for Cotton. And the first thing they see is at a hotel it's not the Ocono Suites. Bobby sees it. Bobby sees yes. it, and it's the Miss Ireland Hostess Swimsuit Competition. <laughs> and Bobby suggests that that's probably a good place to look for cotton. And Hank's like, good idea, son. And they pull in, and Bobby is tasked with perusing the parking lot looking for cotton's Cadillac car. Mm-hmm. And while Bobby is doing this, Hank and Peggy are sitting in the car talking about Bobby and how great he is. And uh, Look at him, Peggy. Look at him run. Makes you realize what a blessing he is. He is our miracle child. He's just like running around the parking lot. (laughs) Looking here and there. Like from from the car, I can see all the cars that he's looking at. (laughs) And like the conversation progresses and Hank's like, well, he is our miracle. Like maybe we were just lucky enough to have the one miracle. Maybe pushing it or maybe asking for two is pushing it. And this is when Hank begins to say that, like, I'm done. Like, I'm sick. Sick and tired of doing this. I don't... Like the, the convincing hand movements that he makes to Peggy? <laughs> Obviously, there's only one solution to quit. <laughs> I've been sitting in an igloo. You think I like to see that out my kitchen window? Well, if you want to keep trying, you can keep trying by yourself. <laughs> it's the sunshade between them. After effectively telling her to go fuck herself. Yeah. <laughs> the little divider gets put up. I love the other yeah, sunshade. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, but then they give up and they go home. <laughs> yeah, they go home where Luann, I guess, was sent to the police department. And uh, Hank asks Luann with... Which she's got like this little bob haircut now. Yeah, she's she's uh, she's getting her hair back slowly but surely. And uh, she yeah she he asks what the police said. Okay, Grandpa Hill is not a missing person until he's gone for forty eight hours. But this really nice policeman gave me his home phone number, and well, I'm probably not going to be able to help you look anymore tonight. Yeah, I mean, yeah, fuck, fuck cotton. Totally. Yeah, like who gives a shit? I love how Luann like pluralizes everything. Like it's not, it's not makeup, it's makeups, and he's I mean, not a missing person, it's persons. I think that's proper police speak, though. <laughs> but I mean, it's a missing persons report about a missing person, so I think interchangeably they're fine. But yeah. you're right, she does like to pluralize things. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I just love that scene. I, I love that. I guess maybe it gives more credence to, like, maybe they, they had to wait much longer for the sample to come in so her hair isn't I, – I, I wonder if, like, she hasn't really starred in, or been featured much in many episodes because of – because they want to, like, just, like, let her hair kind of, like – so you can kind of see it. Because mm-hmm. I feel like if you made an episode about her with, with her, her hair, hair yeah. the way mm-hmm. it is, that you might – And it's it's not just her hair building up. Like, it's her – who like as a as a character because yeah, when she went through some traumatic she is, shit yeah. they need this this uh like this uh grieving stage and like now that we see that like the hair is a hairstyle and not just a fuzzy buzz um <laughs> she's starting to get back out there and play the field more mm-hmm. ah, that's a good point 
Yeah. Uh, and I mean, a police officer would probably do her good. Yeah, I mean, I'd hope so. A lot better than <laughs> Buckley. <sighs> but yeah, I mean, uh, I, I'm I'm just Ooh, here's you know here's to hoping for a Luann episode coming up. <laughs> yeah. Cheers to that. Cheers to Luann. But speaking of Buckley, if you haven't checked it out, we've released an ode to Buckley. Mm-hmm. Um, you can find it on YouTube. I think we've made uh, Facebook posts about it. But uh, if I it work, isn't taken down, if it isn't taken down, <laughs> it work, features a band. It's, um, it's still there. As I work pretty hard on it. So uh, if you just go check it out. Yeah. Let me know what you think. Watch the whole thing because it's worth it. Dustin worked his magic, and it is fantastic. But now sticking with this scene. Um, D.D. is like, oh, there was a phone call, but I didn't answer it because I didn't want to tie up the line. <laughs> so they let the voicemail play. Hey, it's me. I hope y'all ain't out looking for me because if you are, you ain't going to find me and I ain't coming back. Hank, I need you to raise Dee's baby. And Dee. Dee. <laughs> <sighs> Dang it. I love, this, I love Bobby here because this is like he's clearly feeling threatened. Mm-hmm. And he knows Star 69 to find out where the call came from. And then uh, Hank, of course, calls some guy. Like, it's probably just a... It's a payphone. It's a payphone. Pay pay and some dude's waiting on the street corner. On Sierra and Flamingo. I believe we stayed there last time. Yeah. Uh, hello? Who is this, please? Who's this? This is Hank Hill. Yeah. Uh, w- where am I calling? Yeah, I'm at the corner of Sierra and Flamingo. Sierra, is that Dallas? It's Vegas, Hank. <sighs> the guy is selling drugs. <laughs> I love that he says Hank. I love yeah, that he says Hank. He introduced himself. But uh, <clears throat> so there is no Sierra in Flamingo. No, but there's Flamingo. No, there is. But the street and... that he's referring to is probably Koval and Flamingo. Mm. Uh, and there's a fun fact about that street corner. On the corner of East Flamingo Road and Koval Lane... Tupac Shakur was struck by four 40 caliber rounds fired from a Glock. Two in the chest, one in the arm, and one in the thigh at 11.15 p.m. What day? September 7th, 1996. Okay. So I was wondering that maybe they switched the name of the street corner just to not draw attention to that because it was semi-recent. Maybe. It's possible. Perhaps. Um, yeah, I don't know. But... Uh... Yeah, because Hank definitely like singles out Sierra. He says Sierra, where's that? Because he's not Flamingo. That, that Dallas. But we did stay at the Flamingo last time we went to Vegas. Last time, and we are um... two times ago. Yeah, you're right. Two times ago. Yeah, last time we had to go to that fucking timeshare. I loved that. <laughs> no, I mean yes, that was great. But being called in the morning was not oh, that great. Yeah, that was. That was a bad, tr- bad decision on our part. To say yes to the fucking breakfast. They talked, yeah. They talked, Danielle. They talked. They, we went with Nathan and his girlfriend, and they talked. They talked us into the breakfast, and then we were like, we, "No, we don't want that." And then they were like, "We're like, whatever. We can decide." But they don't let you decide. They call you every five minutes. <laughs> From 8 a.m. to 9:30 a.m. And you're like hungover. Like I went to bed an hour ago. Yeah. <laughs> But we're staying at the Planet Hollywood this weekend. We are. We're going four days till Super Bowl. Woo! It's going to be awesome. Boys, <laughs> nah, nah, nah. Plus mom. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, our, our dad's a big uh, Kansas City Chiefs fan. So the second that they beat, uh, the second that they won, and we were, I texted my dad, and I was like, 
Vegas. So we're going to Vegas. He texts me back like 20 minutes later. He's like, yeah, mom can get t- flights for this much. We got free rooms at Planet Hollywood. Like, oh, oh, you guys are coming too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so we're uh, we're booked. We're going. We're, we're make, Yeah, we're making the trip. We are. We're going on Saturday and we'll be back on Tuesday. We'll tell you how the Andrew bro- sisters were. <laughs> yeah. uh, I was like, we can see Wayne Newton. Every time you go, you can see Wayne Newton. <laughs> we can see Aerosmith. All right, that's not so bad. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, Donnie and Marie. They've been there every time. They're at the Flamingo. Yeah, they got their own. <laughs> they got their own show. So yeah, we decided we want to do some firsthand research for this episode here. See if we can find cotton. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I'm sure we will find cotton lookalikes. That's no doubt about that. Welcome to my world. <laughs> <laughs> but. Uh, so obviously in the show now that we find out where Cotton is, and but Bobby just insists that a baby wouldn't be able to figure out about Star Sixty Nine. No. He's right. He's not wrong. You bring him back, Hank. That little ferret thinks he can have it all—a child and a Vegas trip. Well, I didn't get either this year. Peggy calling Cotton a ferret is such a great like retort to him. Always just referring to her as Hank's wife, like. Oh, totally. I know, like, I know she would never do it to his face, but that's just so funny. And do you guys notice what Hank is doing as, like, he's saying his farewells to Peggy? I just noticed, I knew he was loading the car, but... He's shaking Peggy's hand. <laughs> <laughs> like, super, like, like, obnoxiously, like he's seen, like, an old football buddy of his, like, just up and down, up and down, up and down. And then that's when they, and he, like, peels back to go to his truck. We find out that he's, he's going to Vegas by himself. And he's like, oh... If I drive all night, I'll get there in the morning, you know, and then Dale. And then he says, Bobby, you're in charge. Sure, Dad, I'll be the man of the house. While still fulfilling my duties as the child of the house. (laughs) (laughs) He shouts like Peggy's not right next to him. Yeah. It's like, Bobby, your grandpa's crazy. You don't get to be the child of the house anymore. Yeah, this whole scene has a lot of uh, ripping on cotton. Because even Dee Dee gets her uh, slide comments in. Hank, my stepson. Cotton is small and sneaky. How will you ever find him? I'll tell you how he'll ever find <laughs> him. With the finest mail-order surveillance equipment the Libyans have to offer. Couldn't hear you, Hank. But if you were asking if I am a licensed professional bounty hunter, I think this hat speaks for itself. <laughs> I love that. I love. I love that Dale proceeds to explain his amazing surveillance equipment, but cannot hear the next <laughs> thing that Hank says to him. Oh. And I mean the bounty hunter hat, like that. I'm just so happy it came back. I'm too. I'm so happy that it's useful. Like it's it like. Ri- I mean, and then he had it in his back pocket just for yeah. these dramatic effects to just swap it out with that sweet Mac hat that he always wears. <laughs> but uh, so the guys hop in the truck and they're off, off to vest and they leave. Well, they, they don't... drive past Bill. Right? Oh, and he looks so like just like because... a sad puppy. Because, like, Boomhauer knows that, like, oh, they're leaving to Vegas. I'm not going out to the alley because I'm just going to have to drink beer alone with Bill. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to Vegas with them. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) To find cotton. Yeah, fuck that. So Bill's just sad drinking in the alley alone. And I do, I thought (laughs) that they were going to leave. Funniest. (laughs) This is the, I lost it. I I laughed 
so hard I had to rewind to rewatch it so I could hear the rest of the episode. Yeah, like I thought it was funny that they were gonna drive past him and I started to giggle and then they stopped and I was like, oh, that's sweet. Also, like, I looked real hard to see if that was a Leonard Skinner song, but it ain't. <laughs> it ain't. Sounds like it maybe could be. I like how Bill can just, like, the only person that just on a whim can be standing in the alley drinking beer by himself and then just run into a vehicle and he's driving for nine hours with the guys to go to Vegas. Well, you know for... that he saw them loading up a truck and he's yeah. like, oh, I better stand outside and hopefully yeah. get invited. Yeah. Like... <laughs> oh, it's like a... Sorry, like after after Bill hops in, we get this montage, and it seemed like kind of a familiar montage. Mm. And the good people at the King of the Hill wiki alerted us to this. So we're not going to take all credit for this, but the scenes we see, um, the first ones where it's it's this Hank's truck driving across the desert, and there's another another angle of Hank's truck driving across the desert. Now, Dustin, where are those scenes? Like, why are they so familiar? So uh, we took a look back. To season one, episode three, our namesake, the Order of the Straight Arrow. Wimatanya! And when Miss Ibanez is going <laughs> to Mexico to get some Zapados, she drives <laughs> Hank's truck in the exact same setting. We even stopped a frame for frame, side by yeah. side. And there's like the oil derrick in yeah. the back. Yeah. The rocks are in the same position. The the the, the shrubs are the shrubs. exact same. And you and can you can zoom in, and it's like that's not Hank. That's Peggy driving. Mm-hmm. There's too much hair. Mm-hmm. And even the second shot of the angle of behind them, looking them going into the horizon, mm-hmm. same same scene. So the they got a little thrifty in the animation department. Well, there's yeah. many scenes, yeah, but. I mean, I, I get it. Like, it's fine. It yeah. gets a point across. But it does kind of seem uh, not fitting to have the desert before they drive through tree Because they drive through the desert, then through some trees, and then into Vegas. It makes more sense to have trees, then desert, then Vegas. I don't know. Maybe it's... Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, there's... That, I mean, the whole idea was that they like the, the deserts are in Texas. It was, always was, right? Well, mm-hmm. they were going through... To when she was going to Mexico, that was through Texas. I mean, I guess we went through Texas. Maybe that maybe desert. it was just yeah the same highway. And there's a lot of mm-hmm. desert in all of America. Actually. And Nevada, there's a lot of desert too. <laughs> I, I know nothing about in between. I don't really know what's <laughs> yeah. there. Yeah. I think North Texas is there. <laughs> Oklahoma. I loved it so much. I, like as the montage continues, and it's when Dale agrees that he can come, or like when Hank agrees to let Dale come. He's oh yeah, we can keep each other company. And he could have somebody else to drive. Wasn't that it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and Dale was driving. Wearing with, the headphones. Wearing the headphones that... <laughs> yeah, can you would just play it? Going to the country, gonna eat a lot of pages. And he's Yeah, Dale is just, like, cringing because they're shouting it into his ears. It's so good. It's like... It's like, we don't see them having like any road beers or nothing, but like, no. something's like reinvigorated the, the guys as they're like driving through the night to get to Vegas. I mean, you would think they'd be a little excited. I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, Vegas is Vegas is pretty sweet. exciting. 
Uh, and Miles, you should you should come, man. Okay. I wish I wish I could. But... So when they pull into uh, the strip, they have to think like cotton to find cotton. So where mm-hmm. do they go? Yeah, a strip mall huh? full of strip uh, clubs. Yeah, it's full of the strip strip, but the uh... kitten corner, Vegas vixens, Lucky's ladies, Skin Palace. Live naked nudes, and they come walking out of the Inferno Club. I was really, really hoping that I would find a, a club with this name. Wheezy's nightclub was in the path of gale force winds. Wheezy. That would have been a perfect club. the club, Al. The strippers are fine, but a customer had his lap broken by one of the dancers. <laughs> I, I love that uh, Bill is in love. Yeah. With that deep, deep dish. Yeah. <laughs> the deep dish pizza he's ever had. The best. Fuck, there's this one little line from uh, Dale that I'm not sure if you guys caught. Ah, eight topless bars and no cotton. Of course, you'd be a lot more help if you'd open your eyes, Hank. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's, it's perfect. It is perfect. It makes me wish there was a deleted scene just, where oh. it was Hank. Like, I don't know. I don't hear him. <laughs> <laughs> I don't hear him. That's funny. You probably hear cotton before you see him if you were looking 100%. for him. Yeah. Especially because he's so loud to the ground. His presence would be felt like as soon as you open the door. So they're, they're standing outside this strip mall full of strip clubs and they see, I think it's a cab. Goes, it's a taxi van. Taxi, it's a, yeah, Ferb's taxi yeah, van. Yeah, it's Ferb's taxi van. With, a, with an advertisement for the Andrews sisters. For the Areola Club. I mean, <laughs> the Andrews sisters. And Hank's like, the Andrews sisters, that's my dad's favorite. So of course they go to check out a show. Thank you, Las Vegas, and good night. That's Toby Huss. Like the <laughs> second that I heard it, I was like, "That's Toby Huss." Yeah, and, and it's funny because like before the big reveal happens, yeah, it's pretty obvious. You can all tell, right? Like, I mean, especially if you've watched the show for more than two episodes, like you know that's Toby Huss. You, and oh, yeah. and I mean, like you can tell it's a man behind. You, like, yeah. all three of them are men. Like, they're very, uh, yeah, you you masculine. know, <laughs> you know where it's going. And even Hank, like, is like the Andrew sisters. Like, I didn't know they were still alive. Yeah, exactly. Interesting. Uh... I, I did a little research. Dustin, you also did some Andrew's sisters research. Yeah, I wanted to talk about them earlier, but it's more relevant now. Um, at this point in 1998, the only one Andrew sister was still alive. Uh, this was Patty Andrews, who passed away at the age of 94 in 2013. Maxine passed away at age 79 just before this in 1995. Mm-hmm. And Laverne passed away at age 55 in 1967. Right. Mm-hmm. Patty was the mezzo-soprano. Maxine was the soprano. And Laverne was the contralto. So they made a nice little trio of a close harmony singing group of the swing and boogie-woogie eras. And they were, in fact, all sisters. They were. They, they totally were. They're, uh... Not like the Ramones. No, <laughs> not sisters. No, they were uh, they were actually really cool. Like you probably know a lot of Andrew's sister songs without even knowing them, and they were like a leader in those kind of groups. A lot of people uh, mimicked their style and created their own uh, groups in their likeness. Well, my goodness, if they ain't catchy, <laughs> tell me about it. I mean, you likes the Andrew sisters, don't you? Likes them. I loves them. <laughs> 
But uh, some fun quick facts. Uh, they toured extensively during the 60s, uh, favoring top nightclubs in Las Vegas, California, London, and England. They had 75 to 100 million records sold from a little over 600 recorded tunes, 113 charted Billboard hits, 46 reaching top 10 status, more than Elvis Presley or the Beatles, 17 Hollywood films, more than any other singing group in motion picture history, record-breaking theater and cabaret runs across America and Europe, countless appearances on radio shows from the 35 to 1960, including their own radio show, guest spots on every major television show of the 1950s and 60s, included those hosted by Ed Sullivan, Milton Berle, Perry Como, Frank Sinatra, Dean Martin, Sammy Davis Jr., Johnny Carson, Joey Bishop, and more, including Jimmy Dean. Uh, but I was like, well, that makes sense. They're pretty huge. So I They're decided massive. to uh, check out the very first episode of Frank Sinatra's show. Oh, okay. And they were the second guest spot. Which which show, which Frank Sinatra show was this? Uh, it, I, I think it was just called the Frank Sinatra show or which, something Which, like what that. year? Yeah, I believe he had a few, but which... It, it was, I think... It was, it was it must have been the one... It, sorry, keep going. It's okay, I can't remember the... I didn't write down the year, uh, but it was really, really interesting because uh, the episode starts with, like, Frank coming off of a plane, like, oh, I'm so happy to be back in New York, and he does a monologue, and then he sings a song... And then uh, some other guy comes on, sings a song, and then the Andrews sisters do a skit, and it's them in the in the dressing room, and they're like, "Oh, getting ready for their their show on Frank Sinatra," and they're actually like pretty funny, like they're good actresses, and they they got a good rapport. They're sisters, right? They're stars. And it's funny because Hank. It's funny because Frank. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they have a window set up in the, in the set and like Frank uh, is climbing in and they're like oh look a peeping Tom I wonder if he has any friends <laughs> and uh, they close the window on his fingers by accident and it's really funny and then uh, they're getting ready for showtime and it's like oh we got a few minutes before the show let's do a practice and then they start singing and it's it's a, the song they sang was Peony Bush uh, it was a pretty uh, non- it wasn't a huge uh, star quality song. That you said what they had six hundred songs. Yeah, it, exactly. How so many did you say it was? Six hundred yeah. tunes. Yeah. Wow. I'm sure some of them are jingles, but like still. Uh, still a tune. They did really well. They like stopped in the middle, kinda, and like pushed each other. Like, oh, you're getting in my space, and like it was just really they they had a really good. Uh, They're good back entertainers. And forth. Yeah. So so they were awesome. Like, go Andrew sisters. If you don't know who they are. You probably know them from Fallout if you've ever played that game series three oh, yeah. or four. Like they... three, four, New Vegas. I think they're in all of them. Yeah, they definitely are. It's yeah. crazy because like there's so many of these um, like music groups or you know actors or things like that that we discover through doing this podcast and like the Andrew Sisters being as popular as they are from you telling me about all this stuff. It's like I would never, ever would have heard about them. I never have until King of the Hill. Really? Hey. Yeah, like I didn't like it, that. This is one of like the. Uh, like one band, one person that like I know prior knowledge of mm -hmm. whatsoever. Yeah, I like that the show can do that. It can pull things from literally anywhere, mm -hmm. and uh, and and I like that this podcast can go into depth about them because I love useless knowledge. The useless knowledge trivia is, is my favorite. Hell <laughs> yeah. yeah! And yeah, I mean definitely the Anders sisters. I was a hundred percent introduced to them from Civilizations with Danny Kay. 
in Fallout 3. <laughs> like, my Fallout 3 was my favorite game back in the day. I loved it. And that was one of, like, ten songs in it, mm-hmm. along with the Ink Spots. And yeah, I remember I found an Ink Spots tape. You mean I? you found my cassette that I bought at Valley <laughs> Village that time? Yeah, yeah I found it. And I, it I had just... this clock radio by my bed with a tape player in it. And I remember just falling asleep to that tape so it was awesome it was great they every song is a hit they're all super chill but one fact i didn't know about the andrew sisters is that they're all men <laughs> he was here that little firecracker grabbed my rear <laughs> well he does like the ladies right so when he figured out i wasn't really a sister he started breaking plates they threw him out Oh! <laughs> As that one Andrew brother takes his wig off. And Hank is just blah. <laughs> now that lead has been exhausted. So now they start searching the strip. And Hank starts at Caesar's Palace. He just goes up to a random dealer and asks if he's found a, a short man about yay high screaming obscenities. Welcome to my world, pal. I've... My favorite is Dale's setup. Just like that giant blown up picture of Cotton. He says, Have you seen this man? <laughs> That's what he calls hunting. Oh, God. Yeah. And uh, he can't light his cigarette, so he tries to use the fire at the Mirage volcano. <laughs> Um, this whole this whole little montage here is just fantastic. I love it. They go to they go to the Excalibur Tournament of Kings. Yeah, Bill and Dale go and they check the guy in the the, the night. They yeah. check it under his. You helmet. guys went there, didn't you? We did. We, we've been twice. Yeah, but we went with we went with Elder Little Pond. Uh, it was it was hilarious. It was like, hey 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 Nathan, you know we're in Vegas. It uh, was the first night we landed, you, got our hotel. What do you want to do, man? And it, and his one request, yeah, <laughs> was to go see uh like the medieval times thing. And it was and I was like, fuck yeah, let's That's go. Awesome. So we went and our tickets. I lost my voice. Uh, yeah, and that was the thing is like we got there and we're all excited. And I mean like those kinds of things are like tacky, but like you get out of them what you put into them. Yeah. So like if you just want to go and have fun and yell and. Eat your chicken with no utensils. It's so cool because it's like they it's set a Cornish up, game hen. Yeah, they, they right. set up like this total like eat like they do in the medieval times. Like you got a bun. They call it blood soup or dragon it's soup. It's dragon blood soup. And, and then like it's just tomato soup. And, and you're eating and you're just like, oh man, I didn't know they had Jello shots in medieval times. Yeah, they're like <laughs> Jello shots, buckets of Bud Light. <laughs> they only had light beer. Well, the Bud Light night is from back then. Yeah, I guess. But no, and then what was it? Uh, so Nathan's uh, Nathan's girlfriend is a vegetarian, so she got ravioli with a fork, and I was like, why doesn't she just get like steep carrots or something? Like, ravioli off with her head. Yeah. <laughs> it was it was so much fun. We the cheap we got the cheapest seats. We sat in France's section. Oh yeah, dude. <laughs> our, we got a picture with him. We did. We do <laughs> have a picture with our French knight. He those was... cheesy and surrender monkeys. <laughs> we shouted at him so much that he like had to acknowledge yeah, us. Yeah, we <laughs> were the most excited in the whole French section. But it was great because like we got there and like Nathan and Danielle aren't aren't super gamblers. 
but Dustin and I enjoy it. So we got there. We bought our tickets for the thing. I think we were 80 bucks or 60 bucks or something. Whatever it was. We got a discount because you signed up for some membership. Yeah, I think they were. Yes, I did. I think they were 60 bucks. And then we went straight to the roulette table and I won 80 bucks. And I was nice. like, okay, I'm out. And I was like, so yeah, and I, I found Nathan and Danielle. I was like, so sweet. I just paid for my dinner and show. And they were like, oh, we should go gamble. <laughs> <laughs> you did good. Yeah, it was. We did. We had a good good fucking that was a mm. that was the best trip to that, that was fucking we have that picture of me having to put money in my shoe because my wallet wouldn't hold it yes <laughs> that was that's legendary that was fun but back to this show uh let's just go to vegas you know what let's fucking do let's it. do it let's do it man let's fucking do it um but more about the montage we see hank at the the pool tiki bar, and he has to swim away when the bar is Oh, like right. And uh, the last one is As Hank if with... Cotton can swim. Yeah. <laughs> I bet you'd have water wings. You'd be in a floaty, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and uh, the last one is Hank look, you know, stopping some lady on the street uh, as a building gets demolished in the background. Yeah. And uh, I wondered if that was in reference to something. I mean, buildings get demolished in Vegas all the time. I think that's what it's in reference to. I feel to. like it is, but yeah. Like just a nondescript, like, oh, they're bulldozing it and building something new again uh but they finally end up at just some random casino and bill found a shirt i don't know where he got that open button <laughs> that shirt. orange one yeah he like had it in the tournament of kings montage yeah, but like he, he that's his going pack, out shirt he didn't pack a bag like that's he his... just hopped in and yeah, he smoked was... his teeth on the truck and then gone yeah. true he probably bought it there at one of the gift probably, shops. yeah hopped out of the truck and first thing he saw was that shirt and it's a nice looking shirt it really uh totally. zip zips bill up and you can tell that he's just spending his man money, or his mad money. His he mad is. money. Yeah. We yeah. were corrected. It was mad money. And Thank yeah. you to whoever corrected us. Yes. We eventually see Hank like kind of tell Bill and Dale off. Yeah, because they keep on pressing this child thing, and he's like, "Dude, like I don't want to do it anymore. We're looking for cotton." And they they press him. They say, "Yeah, get off those slot machines because the electromagnetic field will mess up your count." Mm-hmm. And so he just fricks off to the to the bar. And Hank. Hank goes to order a beer, and he is damn sure which uh, region he wants it from. <laughs> what do you have? Beer. I got Heineken. American. <laughs> <laughs> he needs Heineken light. <laughs> I like that. I like that across from the bar. There's just like a, a wannabe Elvis. A wager. A wager or much. That must. Well, that must be had, Mike Judge. I, I love that he. I love that he spies the the baby. Yeah, the, the, like, the boost, high chair, seat. whatever yes. booster seat, getting lugged across. And he's like, "Do you guys allow children?" Yeah, absolutely yeah. not. And then he just kind of goes back to his beer, and then we, of course, cut to Cotton. And I like that as soon as uh, like. As soon as Hank finds him. Hello, Dad. Don't you unstrap me. I ain't going back. You can't make me. Don't <laughs> you unstrap me. Are you saying see, like, his booster seat like isn't on a chair? It's no, like it's clipped, clipped, clipped around the craps table. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck it. I love that they have that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's so funny. And uh, so Hank, um, he plays it cool. He's like, I'm not coming to uh, take you home. Uh, I'm just coming to let you know that I'm going to take care of, you know, your baby, Dee Dee, and Dee Dee's new husband, <laughs> Terry or Jerry or whatever from Chippendales. Yeah. And of course, Cotton fires right up and is, says he's going to cut him. Got him. Got him. That's he's going to gut him. <laughs> and then, I'll gut him like a fish. <laughs> and then, uh, and then Hank just says, I made him up. I was just trying to get you back. And then, you know, Cotton's like, well, ah! 
I was going back anyway. Not to find me Mr. Terry Jerry and gut him up good. He <laughs> <laughs> well, just decided that. <laughs> and I, I do love that now Now that Cotton's, you know, he's his act is done. He's... He's 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 immediately just sort of like okay Hank like did you knock up what's her name like he wants to just have <laughs> yes. he just wants to have a conversation with his son. Oh, did you get what's her name knocked up yet? <laughs> and they have like a like like a like a one on one man talk like they like they've never had before. And it's like, a good one. You know yeah and, and Cod goes on like he really levels with Hank for maybe like. One of the first times, if not the first time, the we first, I believe, the, the, the first most time credit he's ever given. Him. And he goes, "You're you're a much better father than I ever was." You know, like you, you created Bobby. All I ever created was you. <laughs> <laughs> it's so backhanded, but still really nice. Oh, Hank's like, oh, thanks. Yeah, I guess. and I like that it gives kind of more gives more uh, pull for Bobby in his kind of fight for I'm good enough, because Bobby is really great, and like Cotton re- recognizes that and want, wants to show Hank that you know. Yeah, and I think I mean, <clears throat> you know, it goes it it kind of like back to Hank doesn't think Bobby's so great, but Bobby or sorry, but Cotton thinks Bobby's great, mm-hmm. and Cotton doesn't think Hank's so great. So like, it kind of makes you wonder that every second kid is all right, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> but like, no, but that the as a father, you, you want much more from your son than <laughs> you're gonna get. Um, and I mean, and Hank kind of sa- even like to his dad, he says like. He says, you just give up and you you always want to flip the board, like... I always knew you was a quitter. Well, you're the one who always flips up the board when you're losing to me at checkers. I never lost to you! <laughs> and we haven't played checkers Damn. in years! Didn't lose because you flipped the fucking <laughs> yeah. board. Yeah. Exactly. There's also, like, a brief moment in this interaction where Con kind of alludes to giving Hank, like, the, the, the birds and the bees talk. Yeah, it, it kind of it was one of those cotton quick and sentences. Like, yeah, well, like when he taught him about paying taxes. Yeah, pretty much. But like Hank doesn't really like acknowledge it, and like it just kind of ends there. Show. Mm-hmm. Exactly, and so uh, they kind of land on like, well, you know, nobody knows that I'm here, or that you found me, so let's just have some fun. And Hank's like, yeah, you know, why not? So, uh, Cotton yells, "Ate the hard way." Three craps, you lose. What? <laughs> no, Dad! I, you know, in lieu or getting ready for this weekend, I've been doing some practicing at the makeshift craps table that my dad has made. <laughs> and I know a little bit about craps. And ate the hard way does not that bet does not get removed on a three like three does not remove that bet and the way that the uh like dealer placed the chips was he placed it as either like a a lay a buy or a place bet on an eight so not eight the hard way and even on a three then that bet still doesn't go away so he stays until seven he stays until seven so like he wouldn't have lost so, I mean, I would get up and kick the chips over, but too, if I was But that's the thing. Gone. He always flips the board before he loses. <laughs> <laughs> this is him flipping the board immediately after. Exactly. So, uh, so just a fun fact about that, that uh, that was a little bit of a, an issue that I had. Mm-hmm. And now we find ourselves at the end of the episode. 
And yeah, that's it. Is I I was I was like as soon as they got to Vegas, I wanted more. I was oh like, my God, it felt right? like a really quick episode. I'm assuming like the cold open probably helped that out just a little bit, but it, it felt like yeah, like I I didn't think it was over with that at right? the craps table. I wanted more Vegas. Like I'm just I'm so stoked to go to Vegas. I mean, I'm gonna be honest with you. I felt a little bit bad for the animators because in Vegas there's so much going on. That the amount of animation they had to do, I bet they were so exhausted by the they end. They did a great, great job. Oh, they did great, but you could just tell that the slot machines, they were like, fuck, another one, another one. Like, <laughs> like all right, let's just throw some yellow, some red. Just like... Well, the, I, I mean, credit where credit is due, and they did. They did the Excalibur. They did the well, Luxor. They did it they all. They did so Caesar's look, Palace. They did the full Mirage. Of that, like, that would be... I mean, I guess it was Gold Dust instead of Stardust. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, which, I mean, Stardust, that doesn't even exist anymore, does it? it? I don't think so. Uh, I I think it went the way of that building. Like, it, it starts to make me think. Like, did they spell Caesar's Palace wrong or something? Or do they call it something else? No, no. Most so of like, them were real. And it just makes... Like, why would they just change one? I don't know. Maybe... maybe Because it was one they actually went to. Oh, so they didn't want to slander the actual name. I believe they, so. Yeah, okay. They have the faux Anders sisters. Yeah, exactly. So that makes sense. Um, but, like Miles said, we are at the end of the episode. I guess we are. And when we get here... We have to give our final thoughts. <laughs> Mom, why don't you go first? You never go first. Sure. I'll go first. Uh, this episode was hilarious. It was great. Every time Cotton is involved, he, he I think he elevates every other character to be funnier. Uh, I like it. Like a, an episode never gets worse when Cotton shows up. When you see his like short, stocky little frame, you're like, okay, this is gonna be good. And like as I mentioned earlier, Bobby shows like once again that he's a realist character in the series. Um, Peggy was great. Hank was great. Um, the Doctor, he was <laughs> yeah. super funny too. Well, I mean, what was his name again? Uh, <laughs> I, uh, he's from Calcutta. <laughs> but uh, it was another episode light on the Boomhauer. Uh, last episode, I don't think we even got a word from him. But... Just in the, just in the, I believe it was just when they were talking around the truck, right? Right. Yeah, exactly. Right at the beginning there. But um, yeah, no complaints for me. Great episode. Season three is rolling along like a freight train, and I'm happy to be talking about it. Yeah, this one. I mean, I, I'll agree. I'll agree, especially on the every uh, Cotton Hill just bringing out the the most <laughs> like we'll say vibrant colors <laughs> yeah. of all of our characters mm-hmm. uh i mean i would even extend that to toby huss just yeah. whenever toby huss is, is interacting with anybody it's just that that character comes right out and you yeah. see cuz he makes them bleed their colors like he makes them ha- make their mark because he is so animated it's just it's beautiful uh and i mean yeah this had a lot of good references uh i was real stoked to talk about uh presidents of the united states of america um and yeah i mean really this one got me just excited all around for vegas like i'm i was already like going to vegas and now i'm like that much more excited (laughs) that we're going to vegas in like three days, so yeah, it's gonna be sweet. Yeah, uh, I I I I got my bags packed. Uh, I got my money. Oh, I got and got American money. If we can get this episode out before the weekend, I'll be very impressed. We are getting this episode out before we go to Las Vegas. 
We're going to listen to it on the plane. You mark my words. Everybody listening to this, when we get it out, it will be out, and we will be on the plane to Vegas. That is a promise. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Not much to say about this episode as a whole. I mean, I love it. It's hilarious. It's great. I love that they bring back the bounty hunter. I love when Bill ashes his fucking gums on the truck. <laughs> I love I, – I just yeah, – I love all this episode. You yeah. know what I would have loved to see? More Is Joseph. That... Sure. Okay. But if uh, – you know, Bill actually cracked his teeth and he had to go to like a denture or like, you know, some sort of dentist in Vegas and got just like gold plated teeth for just the end of that episode. That would have been good. But uh, I will talk about this episode as a whole. I think that this episode did a really good job of pulling the entire community and characters of Arlen together because we do do quite a bit of hopping around without really feeling like oh, it. Oh, yeah, we saw Earls. We saw Earls. We saw Strickland Propane. We got to talk to, you know, Nancy, Dale. We saw Luann. The it's unnamed nice they... bar. That... Yeah. Unnamed bar came back. Uh, even some new locations like Bibs and Cribs. Um, so this episode, I feel, did a really, really good job. And... Um, I have a lot of clips that I didn't use, but I just didn't know what we were going to use because every line is a killer one. Yeah. I loved it. And so, yeah, a lot of belly laughs in this episode. Uh, I'm happy that we got to talk about the Andrew sisters again. A lot of callbacks and references. Like, this was a really good King of the Hill. I feel like that's what the Allens are, are real good at. They, I've, they, they're my favorite. I'm going to say right now, I've already, they're my favorite writing team. Like, really? for, for King of the Hill. I think my favorite writing team is, is yeah. Glenn Berger. Okay. The, I, the Kung Fu Pandas. Okay, yeah. Yeah, I like the Al- – wait. The Allens. The Allens. Yeah, therefore, they made your favorite movie, Due Date. <laughs> <laughs> Just because the, the episodes that they have under their belt, I, I really like it. You said that they did uh, Jump and Crack Bass. Uh, yeah, and like all the Cotton ones. Yeah. Three so other Cotton episodes. They, they know how to make me laugh and they know how to make me love this show more. So for that, I will give this episode a hundred million sperm count and eight the hard way. (laughs) Damn fine score. So without further ado, let's adjourn this meeting with a final round table. Trumpet man from all Chicago way. He had a boogie style that no one else could play. He was a top man at his craft. But then his number came up and he was gone with the draft. He's in the army now, a blowing reveille. He's the boogie woogie bugle boy of Company B. They made him blow a bugle for his uncle Sam. It really brought him down because he couldn't jam. The captain seemed to understand. Because the next day the cap went out and drafted a band And now the company jumps when he plays Reveille He's the boogie-woogie bar of Company B Want to hear more Order of the Straight Arrow? Join the conversation on Twitter at Utsakothpod or follow us on Instagram at Utsakothpod or look for us on Facebook at Order of the Straight Arrow, a King of the Hill podcast. Please share this podcast with your friends and feel free to contact us by email at Utsakothpod at gmail.com. Please. No hate mail. Hey, what you crying for, boy? It's a good show. This is a damn good show. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are our own and in no way reflect the views and opinions of Mike Judge, Greg Daniels, or Fox Studios. The external audio used in this podcast is not owned by the Order of the Straight Arrow or its affiliates and is presented in good faith to its copyright owners. Please don't sue us.